0: Welcome to Arpini, this is Saratova Best. We are preparing for Rosh Hashanah. And of course, the question that we're going to ask this year is, oh, no chauffeur blowing the first day. Well, even the most non-committed person knows about shofar sh- blowing, and really everybody identifies with that, and everybody identifies and even waits for it, you know, the most kind of secular, whatever, however you want to call it, the most secular Jew, in a sense, is very affected by the sound of the shifer and waits for it. And just recently somebody sent around to us uh, a song, a video um, that someone made and uh, the lyrics are, were about waiting for the sound of the shifer. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it was the tune of a Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> a song from you know, 50 years ago or something like that. Very, uh, you know, old folksy kind of a song. So, that every single person is waiting for the sound of the shifer. So that's it. To some people, there are some people who maybe don't go to Shul on Rosh Hashanah, they don't really daven on Rosh Hashanah. And really, there's, there's only one mitzvah. The main mitzvah of the day is Kabbalah Samalchus and hearing the shifer. If you can only manage two do one thing on Rosh Hashanah, if you can't do all the the tefillahs, then you make sure to hear the shifer. Good. So, it's the hallmark of New Year for everybody. It denotes for any Jew, the sound of, and you know, I, I'm not going to do all the explanations about the animal soul and the, the, the ram's horn and all that, because everybody knows and is going to hear them in different places. Of course, the question that we're going to ask ourselves is, is this, to me, denotes the birth of a whole new hope, a whole new vision of what my life can become <coughs> and where we're going in the future and where we're moving to. And it's all embodied in the sound of the shofar. So what are we going to do this year? Because Rosh Hashanah starts on Shabbos and there is no shofar blowing. So what kind of a year am I going to have? And not only that, one, to sweeten the question, you know, um, there's probably nobody in North America who's not thinking, well, what's this year going to be like after the election? Either way, everybody's thinking that. What's this year going to be like after the election? And and essentially, everybody in the whole world is wondering what the world is going to be like. There are sources entirely that say that I mean, lots of things about the 80s and the 90s, and, and last year was considered catalytically known that it was going to be a very difficult year, and this year is going to be a good year, and all of that stuff. Okay. So it all doesn't hook up with each other. It doesn't sync up. We're going to have a great year. It's mystically who knows what. On the other hand, it's such an unknown, the elections, the craziness in the United States. All this stuff and the sweetness of the vision of a sweet, nice, happy, really sweet year in the Schiffer. Mm-hmm. Lacking, missing. Okay. So, that's the question. And we're just going to, um, we're going to learn. Um, this is a mimer that was set in um Tough Shin Lama Base in 1972. And of Rosh Hashanah. It was it was said the last day of Elul, and then of Rosh Hashanah, 1972. Um, what was going on then? Um, okay, a lot of stuff politically, soci- soci- sociologically. Pretty uh, the 70s a pretty interesting decade. Okay, so let's do the mimer. We're just going to do a little bit and then we'll pause and we'll do a recap of what we've learned. So, imagine the following. When Rosh Hashanah starts on Shabbat, in the base of Mizish, they would blow Shifer. In the rest of the land, they wouldn't. Okay. So what does the Gemara tell us? Um, everybody has to do Tzkiya Shafir, hear Tzkiya Shafir, and not everybody's good at doing it, right? Everybody's supposed to blow the Shafir, hear the Shafir. Not everybody's so good at doing it. You ever try? not a simple thing. And so, of course, we know there's this Zayra. Imagine that it's Shabbos, Rosh Hashanah, and imagine that the the law was that you're supposed to blow a no matter what. So, I guess, in the shul, let's say, you would, let's say, it's not muksa. in theory. Just us the theory for a second. In theory, your shifa is not muxa, even if it's Shabbos, you're allowed to blow it. Good, why not? I mean, it could go either way. Okay, so the fear is, but we're going to see that this sort doesn't add up. The fear is, what about somebody, there he is in the shul, and he didn't practice enough, and so he doesn't really know what he's going to do. So um early in the morning, he's going to walk with his cipher to somebody, over to the house of somebody who's really good at it and say, please help me practice. He's going to carry the cipher. And it's going to be Shabbat. He's going to forget. Rosh Hashanah. He's going to forget. And he's going to carry it to somebody else's house to go and get some more instruction about how to, how to do it. So, now watch this. Okay. Um very strange. How many people are gonna do that? Five guys. Oh throughout history. How many people will do it? The blowing of Schifer? On Rosh Hashanah? I'm not gonna repeat everything I said. It's it. It's the very thing. Because of this one guy who's going to make a mistake, really? We're not gonna we're not gonna blow Scheifer. Obviously. (coughs) There's something way deeper. Um and so um it just doesn't make sense that the greatest people and the greatest tzaddikim need desperately that cipher blowing more than we need bread and water we also every one of our souls needs that cipher blowing desperately we wait a whole year for it whether we're tzaddikim or not we wait a whole year for it Excuse me, but can I? Do I have to worry about this guy that Michael and vera and Carrie Shifer? Please, don't take away what I'm waiting for for a whole year. So, the real answer is: it's not that the other one isn't the real answer, but of course, there's a deeper answer. The fact that Rosh Hashanah, that we why do we blow Shifer? Because we want to be Maira to arouse through this above the Tainug. For the creation of the world. Okay. What does that mean? God, Hashem, wants to create the world. Well, He will, if He's in the mood. I mean, that's not a, not a, that's not a good way to express, it, so to speak. The question is like this. The desire to create the world one more time. Where is it? Deep within Hashem. Deep within God. Okay? And, if that desire is accessed, that deep place in him is, is accessed, then, by the way, and what, what is it? It's a place of tainug, where has, there's a place in Hashem that experiences the pleasure of creating the world. Now, let's go backwards for a second. Okay, what motivates you to do something? Let's say, um, recently, uh, we did a Febren, at somebody's house up in the country. And there was this beautiful deck, amazing, beautiful deck. So we asked who did it, and her husband said he built it himself. (coughs) how did he do it? He watched YouTube, and he learned how to build a a deck. And he never really built decks before. That's not what he does for a living. But he built a deck by watching YouTube. Now, to tell you the truth, I fall asleep watching those YouTube. I just... I can watch YouTube forever about how to build a deck. I just i don't know I mean, maybe I want a deck, but uh, you know I, isn't no way I'm pulling together the energy um because I don't have the motivation to figure out how to build a desk. You know all those 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 technical things that you have to do on your computer and and you ask the your children or younger people you know. How, How do you do this, this, and this? And they said, well, why don't you sit down and watch some YouTube and figure it out? Oh my goodness. I don't have the patience for that. Because in order to do something, you need to experience, and we learned this in Shari Yehud, Step one, you sense the pleasure in getting what you, in getting that end goal. That's the first step. You sense the pleasure, you can picture the end goal. I'm going to have that incredible deck. Or in this case, well, okay, let's just take it. I'm going to have this gorgeous deck in my backyard. That's what he just did. He and his wife decided they could both picture it, taste it. And there was a lot of kind of a lot of pleasure involved in imagining them sitting on the deck with a beautifully built deck, having for brains there, and that's what they did. What got them motivated to do it? To build it? To learn? Watch all the YouTubes, get all the stuff, schlep all the, all the lumber and all of that stuff and build it? Where did it come from? From the pleasure of picturing sitting on that deck. Okay? From the tino. So you work backwards. It's reverse engineering. You start with the tino. I, I can already taste the pleasure of sitting there on my deck. And I'm learning, and I have a going and going, and, and, and I can taste the pleasure of it. Because I can taste the pleasure of it, it opens up my motivation. In other words, the pleasure center opens up the, the place of will, of desire. I experience the pleasure of it. Wow, it would be amazing sitting on the deck. So therefore, step two, step one. I feel the pleasure of it. Step two, therefore, I want it. This is what the Mithra says in Shari Therefore, I want it. What do I want? I want the deck. Okay. Step three, what would I need to do to get the deck? And then I go through all the things. Do I pay somebody how much are they going to charge me? Is it 25000 10000 What if I learn how to do it myself? You know, when I build it myself, etc., etc. I go through all the practicalities of what would I have to do to get this thing that I want? Which I wanted because I sense the pleasure in it, and I will. And and depending how intense the desire is, which depends on how intense the pleasure is that I experience when I picture it, that's how much I will be motivated to work. If I'm highly motivated, um, I will. You know, they're closing. Home Depot is closing in an hour and a half. I will jump in the car right now, go to Home Depot, you know, get the books, how to how to build your own deck, get the lumber, get all the things, and before I go to sleep, I will have started and I might be up the whole night reading the book, depending on how intensely motivated I am to build the deck. And that depends on how intense my pleasure is, my time of, when I picture myself with that deck Done. Built. So now, a deck you didn't think that this is a sheer about building a deck. It's a sheer about Rosh Hashanah. Okay, let's, let's, now, let's apply the same experience that we just had. Hashem has a, has a, a place in him in which he experiences the tainud, tainud the, tainu, the Briata He, He has pleasure from creating the world. When he experiences the pleasure and can picture the pleasure from of creating the world and for Hashem who, you know, past, present and future is all the same. So we're assuming for um that when I think Hashem is so to speak thinking thinking so to speak about creating the world again this coming year. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know, we're not Hashem. Maybe he bases it on last year. Um previous experiences with how much how pleasurable it was to create the world probably Hashem bases it on the pleasure of the world of the future of Geula again remember he's Hashem he can do anything so that and he um he also kind of probably judges it I'm thinking on how much we're into it <laughs> you know how we're doing probably in other words, he's creating the world for dear B'tachsani. So really, I'm thinking now, I mean, I'm making it up, but I'm thinking, if the ultimate goal for creating the world is dear B'tachsani, Hashem has this cozy little fireplace kind of a, sitting on the warm, yummy, cozy couch in front of the warm, crackling fireplace drinking hot cocoa. Uh, you know, that feeling... Hashem wants that times, you know, billions and billions and billions. He wants to feel like he's down here in this world and there's a cozy little living room. Cozy, yummy space for him. That's what he wants to feel. That's why he keeps creating the world. He's he's getting us there. And he's, he's asking us to get him there. So no doubt, when he thinks about creating the world again, I mean, I'm just thinking this through. Probably Hashem is, so to speak, thinking, "Okay, we're much further into, we're much closer to Yerubetachtanim than we were before, than we were a few thousand years ago. We're much closer to this world being a dwelling place for Me than we've ever been before. Let's keep on going." So when He experiences, no doubt, the the, the pleasure of the ultimate goal, it creates in Him an intense desire to then create the world again so that he can because so the world is on to what it's designed to be for him and for us. Okay. So and now we're gonna see in a minute. Um and obviously by the way, when he sees that we're we're as excited about it as he is not just excited about being in the world because I get to get a more updated phone, which is also good, but when he sees that we're really excited about, about about creating a dwelling place for Hashem in this world, and therefore we need a world to create a dwelling place, and when he sees that we're excited about it, we're in the same mind space as him, then it gives them even more excitement and time and pleasure in this vision of where we're going to, which gives them even more of a desire to do it. Okay, all of that long explanation. But here's the question. What helps them experience that pleasure? Give you a few guesses give you three seconds to think, what helps them experience that pleasure of the creation of the world? Do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, right? That. Goes right to his pleasure center, so to speak. With all due respect, Hashem. Goes right to that place of Tainug, that place, so to speak, in Hashem, that level. In Hashem, at which he experiences the timing of creating the world. When he, he hears the blowing of the shaker, boom, he feels it. He feels that tainut in the creation of the world. And so, um, guess what? Oh, no. And then, of course, he'll create the world for another year. And there are many more pieces. We dive into him, we beg him. We blow the cipher. We connect ourselves. We put ourselves in sync with the same dream as him. It's almost like he's looking to see, hey, you guys are are we are we on the same page? We both we we want the same thing, you know, dear but that And we on the same page? Then let's all do it together. You know, he's very sensitive to our feelings. Whether we're on the same page with him or not, it means everything in the world to him. So, great. Now we describe, first we described at length the deck and the building of the deck. And now we describe, so to speak, Hashem's feelings. Now, what's everybody to do this year? What's a poor, you know, what's a nice Jewish, Jewish person supposed to do? What's Hashem, Meloth, Mathe, supposed to do this year? Rosh Hashem, the start. And of course, we know that the first day is in a sense, more crucial than the second because in terms of speech, um, I believe the Rebbeim were very careful not to speak the whole two days, but the first day was more important. The first day is considered more of the building of Malchus connected to speech, and those who are careful not to speak anything other than just words of Tyre and basic things, or some people really literally don't speak. They're involved in Davening and Tehillim and mostly. So those who are careful about their speech on Rosh Hashanah are more careful the first day. Second day is more lax. So the first day is the day. The day. And when we wish each other at night, Right? So we only wish each other the first night until the morning. And then Supposedly, we've been written into the book of life. So it's this first day. Oh, guys, what are we going to do? No shifer. Could we just stop worrying about the guy who must, might carry the shifer and just throw it anyway? I mean, you know, Hashem needs that will and that pleasure, that kindness to create the will and that desire. And everybody, the whole thing works with the shifer. And oh, no, what are we going to do? Because Shabbos is, Shabbos is going to start it and there won't be a shifre. So, here's the clincher. How come you don't blow Shaker on Shabbos? Because Shabbos itself arouses that Shifer, that pleasure in Hashem as well. What the Shaker does normally In other words, remember, for Hashem to want to create the world for another year, he has to experience the pleasure, the time of, in the creation of the world. Okay. Well, guess what? When Shabbos comes along, he does experience it. He doesn't need other stuff. Shabbos does it. Well, there we go. So, therefore, well, obviously not, well, there we go, because if it would be, well, there we go, then uh we wouldn't have another bunch of pages of the mimer. We would have gotten the answer, and we hang up the phone, and everybody's happy, and now we know. Hashem needs to experience that of that pleasure, and experience in it, in to create the world for another year. Shabbos ha- makes it happen automatically. We're good, great, okay. Answered the question. Obviously not. Um. But let's pretend we really got the answer. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah, that begins on Shabbos, the Mitzvah, the Shifer is not so strong, not as strong, because a lot of the reason for the blowing of the Shifer is to give Hashem access to that time and he gets it through Shabbos. So it's not as mandatory for the whole system of creation that we blow the Shifer. Shabbos does the job for us. Okay. And so, again, we push it off. We push off blowing shifers to the next day because of this guy who might carry the shifers through the streets going to somebody's house to learn how to blow a shifers. So if we could just find that guy and send him off somewhere to, I don't know, New Zealand for Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> but we can't find him. We don't know who he is. Right. Okay, now, but in the base of Miggush, they did Lo shifer on Shabbos. How come? <coughs> so there we, we see, we had an answer, we felt good, and now we have a new little clincher. Oh, no, but in the base of Mish, they did low shifer on Rosh Hashanah when it was on Shabbos. How come? Shabbos did the job. You don't need to do the job. Yeah. But in Tainu, in the pleasure that Hashem can experience, there are a bunch of different levels. Ugh, knew that was coming. And the level of Tinug of pleasure that is brought down through Blown Scheifer is much higher than the one that Shabbos brings automatically. So what's that all about that there are all these different levels um, there are different levels of time of pleasure for hashem um, and so there's something huge happening this year that obviously uh, you, we can imagine since it's hashem's world it's God's world he creates the world he, he, he sets the calendar and he does all that stuff and really according to um, according to Torah and Lahagel according to quantum physics, we could say that, you know, it was already decreed a few thousand years ago that this year, you could have looked at the calendar, this year um, Rosh Hashanah will come out on Shabbos and there won't be Shai blowing, and yet, I'm going to say that in a way, um, Shen can change all of that, and that's one of the things we're learning by the, I mean, this is a bit of a digression, but this is where I want to end up this reporting. One of the things we're learning now, and we have more strength from quantum physics, is the idea that, that even though we think it's going to go a certain way, it's unbelievable how Hashem can change things around and still within the realm of nature and we can't figure out how he did it, but he did it. Which means that what am I saying? Hashem already planned this moment in history with this Crazy year that we've had, 2020, Daf Pei, with Corona and with and with riots and with and the elections coming up and all the craziness. This was planned from the very beginning of creation, and of course, for Hashem, past, present, and future, Hayah the year, Hashem, Hashem, past, present, future, all together, Hashem Echad, Hashem being. That he can merge past, present, and future, and put them and, and switch them around, and put this here and that there, and change them all around and create new combinations. That does every excuse me every single minute. He clearly already, when he created the world, which he's do, redoing every second, decided that this year, which is a very pivotal year in history. I mean, it's also very pivotal because nobody ever did it before. But it's not just a year in history. Everybody feels that. It's, it's not one of the it's, – it's one of the craziest years in history coming up. You know, certainly in modern times. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen and what's going to be with the elections and what's going to be after the elections and what's going to be with the virus and, 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 and. And, and, and. and everybody's just – and people in um, in North America, in the entire world – are not, just are not used to living with the unknown as much as has fallen on them in the past year. It's almost like we got used to the idea of certainty, which has always been a false certainty. But if you live in North America, you think that things will be certain. You know, you buy your house for $600,000, your mortgage payment is $1,000 a month. You have, you know, two-car garage, and this is the way you live, and you know what's going to happen. Other than health things, you know what's going to happen, and this is what America has been built around. And all of a sudden, it's no longer the case. So, why am I saying this? So, we understand that this Rosh Hashanah is going to usher in quite a year. Quite a year. And one more comment on that is well-known, the year that Napoleon was trying to conquer the entire world and was defeated 1812, I guess. Um, it was 1812. That year, um, the question was, who was going to blow Scheifer first? Because the Rebbe wanted Napoleon to lose and other Jewish leaders wanted Napoleon to win. And the reason that they said, but Napoleon promised that he's going to give us riches and, and you know, we'll have it better physically. You know, Jewish people will have a better life. They'll have more money and stuff like that and be safer and life will be easier. And the author of the said, but spiritually, he will totally, we will become totally, the Jewish people essentially will become totally con- disconnected from their father in heaven, of the So what are they going to do with all the riches? They'll They'll just... Their whole raison d'etre purpose of life will be totally shattered in a way. That's what Napoleon planned to do. And so the altar was determined to keep the Jewish people in sync with their life's mission, our, our historical mission. Hashem's people, light unto the nation. And therefore, the, really the question above was, Whoever blows Scheifer first their way will will succeed. so the Al Rabbi got up really early and he blows blew Schiefer first, and the other Jewish leaders blew Scheeifer after davening, etc and therefore you know as it says, history you know says history says that had a huge effect on The events in history, because Hashem Hashem listens very carefully to the Sheifer, and he he will determine, he will base a lot of things on the Sheifer, and Napoleon was defeated that year. And, etc. All the ramifications of history being completely different as a result of the, the defeat of Napoleon, who had in mind to basically disconnect forever the entire world from their father in heaven. From their life mission. So, what we're saying is, the blowing of the cipher is crucial. It sets the tone. It, it creates the year. Hashem knew, knew, <laughs> he's Hashem, decided 5,700 and what are we, 60? No, 80. Right. Oh my goodness. 5,781 years ago, almost 81 years ago. But this absolutely crucial year in history, probably the most crucial year in history to date, would begin with no schifer blowing on Shabbos. Because something even more powerful than the sound of the cipher needs to be pulled down into the world for this year. And it was already planned by Hashem 5,781 years ago. Something, the highest in power, excuse me, the highest in power, so to speak, needs to be pulled down into the year, even higher than what's pulled down regularly into the world through Scheife blowing. This is a crucial year. So we're going to end here, and in the next recording, we're going to figure out what exactly that is that's pulled down into the world through this non-scheiffer blowing on Rosh Hashanah that somehow will arouse something even greater than what happens through the scheiffer. So stay tuned for the next recording just to begin to find out the answer.